Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Great to have you back as always. Simon Alicia here with you once again, and I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Drew Meyer. Drew is Head of uh, Product Marketing for AWS Storage Services. Welcome back to the podcast, Drew. Hey, this is great, Simon. Happy to be here. Good to have you here. Now, we are going to talk about an interesting topic that I'm really excited that we're going to chat about because a lot of my listeners have asked me about this over the years, and the answer has changed over the years. Uh what do I use? Do I use object storage? Do I use block storage? Do I use file storage? Help me out here. And the funny thing is that the story has changed or the answers, I should say, have changed over time as the services available to customers have changed. I mean, if we look back 10 years ago, you know, simple storage service S3 comes out, revolutionary at its time. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, you know, no, no question that I don't think people quite understood what it would mean to the IT industry as a whole in terms of the way it transformed architectures, the way we build systems, et cetera. Um, but it was a very different model, uh, you know, object-based storage, not familiar to people who are used to traditional maybe sand-based infrastructures, et cetera. Um, but things have evolved and there's a broad swathe of uh, you know, portfolio services, I would call it, available to customers to use for different use cases. So I thought it would be a great opportunity for you to kind of riff a little bit for us on what you can use where and when it makes sense to use it. You're highlighting something that even today when we run a webinar on XYZ service, we get we kind of get those really basic questions like, well, do I use this for this? Well, it tells me that there's a lot of confusion around this still in the market. And, and part of that stems from the maturing of web services in the enterprise, that the people who have embraced and adopted and driven this phenomenal growth. S3, after 10 years, we've got tens of trillions of objects. We've got people developing and building stuff on this all around the world. We've got amazing companies like Pinterest and Airbnb and Netflix using this as their core backbone for their for their storage platforms. But they're all kind of the born in the cloud, the cloud native, the super cutting edge built from scratch. What if you've already got a bunch of stuff and object is still kind of weird and foreign and not your your normal thing? How do you make sense of this whole new world? So we've essentially arrived at a point now, heading into 2017, where we think about the world as a four-legged table. You need to have object storage in your portfolio so that customers who want to build from scratch using API-based technologies and development is the center of their directional strategy. Object storage is the place that's well, you know, maybe this is not the formal term, but it's cheap and deep. It's cost-effective, and it just scales like nothing else. That's great, but what if I have applications that already use other existing file inter uh, sorry interfaces or protocols like block and file? That's where we have, for example, elastic block storage, which is the the local volumes that are it's much like a SAN, but it operates in the cloud. It's captive storage for every instance. It's local drive that gives you really, really good performance. We can even pre-allocate performance on that with some of our EBS volume types. We can use flash, we can use magnetic disk. We can give you captive storage that behaves the way your application needs to for things like databases and boot volumes and big data and analytics programs like Cassandra or even streaming data. And then finally, uh, or the other part of the other, the third part of this, the third leg is the file systems. We launched this year a file system called Elastic File System. This is what you do if you have existing workflows and applications that are centered around NFS as an interface. If you've got an estate that includes some EMC, some NetApp, some Hitachi, some classic big iron filers, then uh, this is a way that you can take those workloads and import them into the cloud and not have to re-architect them to use object or something. They can still continue to use the storage the way they're accustomed to it 
but that's not too simply saying it. And then the fourth thing that customers talked about with us, and this was kind of an eye-opener, but the challenges they face about moving data, some of the time, the networks that are involved here, I mean, we're not going to live to survive to see the end of these copy jobs because they're just too big and too long. So how do we get people out of their data center if they want to shut it down? How do we get these big archives moved in if they want to take advantage of some of those archives and do some historical backward-looking analytics uh, and maybe get rid of tape? How do we help them uh, deal with recurring large jobs that that capture a whole bunch of data and use it for a short period and then either delete it or archive it, stash it away? You just can't push it over the wire. So we think that a complete portfolio here includes a set of data transfer services. And that could be something like our import-export suite where we have products that pick up large chunks of data and move them all at once over the roadway. A great example there is the Snowball machine right. that can that can do uh, 80 terabytes at a time. And the other angle on that is is a hybrid cloud. What if you want to have a foot in both camps and send some stuff locally and have it trickled off to the cloud or incrementally moved off to the cloud in the background? And that's where the storage gateway might fit in. But those are really about moving data to and from or into and out of the AWS cloud. So four legs to that table is what we've learned. So really, it's a, it's a great perspective that there's like lots of choices now. And so making the decision about which to use when is now the classic it depends answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of some rules of thumb. I mean, you know, often when I go and meet with customers and they talk to me about their, you know, their large sets of, um, of uh, you know, photo files or videos, et cetera, um, and they have some control over their application layer so they can make small changes if need be, then S3 kind of uh, elects itself. Um, customers who say, look, this is a commercial off-the-shelf product, it kind of expects to see a filer at the end of it at some point, and that's all it understands, um, EFS kind of becomes an obvious choice. Um, you know, boot drives and data drives for uh, for our servers, um, e- EBS becomes obvious, although there's nuances there between you know whether you're using PyOps or not using PyOps, whether you're using uh, Instant storage with SSD on board for super, super performance. So there's a mixing and matching approach here, Drew, that we go through, isn't there, that, that customers need to think about? So I think what customers tell us is that, like you said, it depends. Well, it depends on what the project is that they're embarking on. If it's a, if it's a complete restructure and re-architect as you move to or before you move to the cloud, then all bets are off. You can start scratch, start from scratch and maybe re-architect things to to use different tiers for different things. If it's a lift and shift, if you're trying to get up there and then sort it out later, then that's where having lots of protocols that that align with whatever you're doing today make it a lot simpler. And then there's a lot of tuning that can go on relative to performance and cost once you've made the, the decision to shift that can still keep you within sort of the, uh, the interface group that you want. So uh, the rule of thumb or the decision tree becomes, number one, what's the architecture that I want to have out of the gate? Do I want to Rearchitect and go with everything object, or do I want to have a mix of everything, or do I just want to keep it the same way? And then once I've decided the architecture, what is the performance characteristic I'm looking at within that architecture? That helps you decide what type of volume do I need for EBS, uh, what's, what sort of modes do I need to put my file system in to handle lots of aggregate throughput or really spiky workloads that are that are less consistent. There's different characteristics there. And then with with S3. You can get really great performance, but we can't guarantee great performance because you, you never know where your file is going to be located. And, and you know, we can have an architect or a, an engineer come on and talk about the design of S3 someday, but that's not designed to be delivering consistent performance or, or reliable latencies or provisioned IOPS. It's, it's a, designed to be a place where you put your stuff and you always get it back. 
Exactly. And it's, it's, it's that horses for courses thing. There's also been nuances within the different um, storage services available as well. So if we look at, at S3, you've got um, your standard storage. You've also got infrequent access storage. So there's, there's nuances there. You've also got, you know, you can do MFA protected storage and versioning. So you can use it for a long-term archive. So again, the nuances of storage will lend itself to a particular use case. Um, you may be putting together some sort of, um, you know, for example, Cassandra database where you just want lots of onboard storage capability that works very low latency, but the resilience is handled by the application. So we might use something like a, like a, an I2 instance or something more modern to, to do that. Um, it's, it's a, it's a nuanced conversation. I guess storage has always been a nuanced conversation. There's not, there's never been a one size fits all. And I doubt the river will be really. That's, that's the thing. The, the, the wonderful thing about our industry is there's so many solutions for different problems and there's constantly new stuff developing. So, what we've what we intend to offer with these four legs is the answer to the question is typically yes we can do that but the real question you should be asking is is this how i want to do this is this the right direction for me going forward you may want to rearchitect later which is fine we're happy to help with that and and you may end up leaning more increasingly more on s3 as time goes on but you may want to spend your money and time right now on getting efs implemented so that you have the best performance possible from a file system and you lower your on-prem costs uh, and it meets the need of your applications without architecture. So, you know, it's a scale, it's a balancing act always. The universal thing tends to be this transfer uh, challenge that whether you're using backup connectors to push stuff in on an incremental basis, how about this? We think about it three ways. There's batches where you can afford to have stuff offline, pick it up, put it in a, in a box and send it to us. That's great. Uh, but that's not real time. And then there's there's increments where you can have stuff trickling up, maybe on a nightly uh, nightly mode like a backup, or maybe you have specific jobs that need to get pushed uh, uh, quickly over the network. That's something like our S3 transfer acceleration. It's been really useful for customers with video use cases. Little bits moving on a regular basis. And then finally, there's um, streams where you have say, a, an array of sensors that's pushing a whole bunch of stuff, you need to aggregate that all and make sure that it gets from A to B. That's where something like Amazon Kinesis Firehose comes into play, which is a little more of a specific solution for Internet of Things type applications. But again, behaves very differently in getting the stuff from A to B. And that's the question that people have. How do I move it? So, so, so more, more and more choices and really becomes, uh, you know, the, the craftsperson looks at it and says, what's the right tool for the job? Um, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, yeah. we have the full toolkit here. So, uh, yeah. So I, I guess to to be a little bit glib about it, the answer to should I use object block or file storage? The answer to that question is, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's usually the marketing guy's job. But you're exactly right. <laughs> Do I win a prize? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Perfect. The answer is yes. Now the question becomes how or why, and that's where we call why, our, why? our team experts in to help you out. Absolutely, absolutely. Like so you. always worth looking into some detail. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's what we're here for to try and uh, help and and demystify that. So Drew, thanks for coming on board and and sharing that insight with us and some examples of what people are doing. And uh, hope to have you on another podcast again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks again, Simon. And thanks everyone for listening. As ever, please share uh, share the presence of the podcast with others that might be interested. And we do love getting your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon dot com. And until next time, keep on building.